Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, Trump's coming. Also, Mike Durant says, disarm the population. And the legislative session, signy die. That's all, folks. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to the voice of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire, Angie Horn, political consultant for the GOP, and Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. Hi. One of the good things, surprisingly great things that happened this past legislative session is that they passed a record education and general fund budget. Josh, uh, that, that was a great thing for everybody. Don't think they'll be able to keep it up, but uh, a good news, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it was, especially the, uh, the surprisingly... Uh, good raises for teachers, uh, for public school teachers. Uh, that was a, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't see it coming. Uh, and uh, I know they had talked about giving teachers a little bit more of a raise, but man, there are some teachers out there that are going to get substantial raises and it's going to go a long way uh, in, in retaining teachers. Now, some of the other things that they've done in the session will go towards pushing them away. Uh, but I, I think the education budget that they passed is, is a very good thing, uh, you know, in terms of teacher pay and bringing them back up to scale and, and being competitive with surrounding states. I think that's very, very important at this point because we've lost a ton of teachers over the course of the last several years. And we have teacher shortages all over the state, which has been well documented. And we're losing more and more for a variety of reasons. Um, and, you know, and so whatever we can do to help retain uh, some of those teachers and keep them in the classroom and keep kids uh, pressing forward, I think is a good thing. And Angie, beyond just the teacher raises, there's just a lot more going to education. You know, unfortunately, uh, Alabama's at the bottom of the barrel every time with the education statistics, but hopefully having this extra money will make some difference. Well, True. I mean, I think this has taken away all of the excuses that anyone has for education. We, we should absolutely see within the next 24 to 36 months a, a great increase in academics. If we don't, we're going to have to reevaluate a lot of things. But I think the main thing about, the, about these budgets is that they didn't spend all the money. Uh, you know, due to the Welling Reserve Act, there's still a great deal of money in savings for future years that maybe the tax income is not so good. So um, I, I hope that this money will be used and, and inspire people to, to help us fix the academic problems that our children are facing. 
I, well, Susan, I, I, I like uh, to say, I don't, I don't think it's going to, it's, it's not going to solve problems. I mean, we're, we're basically talking about just a baseline here of, of keeping uh, teachers in, in the classrooms. It's, that's not going to solve a lot of your problems. Uh, what would help a whole lot is if we, we change the funding structure, uh, which would devote more resources towards schools uh, that need it which we don't do now. We have a, a funding structure that essentially punishes the schools that are at the bottom of the barrel instead of giving them more resources to change things. And so I think if we started doing things like that, yes, what we've done here is simply uh, award teachers the money that they should have been making all along anyway. This is the largest and, and budget we've missing, ever had in the history of Alabama. Yeah, hmm? and, and never missing a chance to, to uh to shoot the, the, those of us that are still alive, we, we, well, uh, Susan, it is though to, to 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 support our teachers is a long time coming. I, I remember ten years ago when they were complaining about certain teachers, and uh, we we don't hear the kind of rhetoric we heard ten years ago. Uh, uh, blasting teachers. I think a lot of these legislators have been there long enough now, because ten years ago most of them were newbies. I think they're they're have been there long enough now to realize that there is a problem, that there that we are underfunding our education system. We are underfunding teachers especially. And they finally come to that realization. It only took them 10 years. Well, I, anytime we can help education, uh, you know, we are at the bottom of the barrel and good teachers often will lead to better results. We, we thought this session might end with just a few controversial acts. You know, I mean, the, the idea of you know, a constitutional carry for some was very controversial. Uh, of course, the divisive issues, the divisive concepts uh, dictating what can be taught in schools uh, was is, was a big deal. Uh, and 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 at the last minute, the Senate changed the bathroom bill, the infamous bathroom bill that would say you have to use the bathroom assigned to your birth gender. Uh, they added to that a law very similar to uh, the one that they have down in Florida, which has been dubbed the uh, don't say gay bill. And and so it was just at the last minute, Josh, we thought everything was kind of just going to roll on like it normally does. And uh, it, it just, this, this, this whole thing of don't say gay uh, just birthed out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, well, they needed something to appease the crazies uh, because the divisive concepts bill wasn't going to go through. And so uh, now we now it wasn't similar to the one in Florida. It was identical to the one in, in Florida, just copied and pasted with the same mistakes and the same issues that the one in Florida has. And so they weren't even smart enough to change the bill. Uh, and, you know, the problem that we have here is is it's a made up issue okay there's no there are no k through third grade teachers out there telling kids about sex stuff okay there's not they're, they're not having those conversations and nobody can point to a single example of it happening so it's not occurring so that's not an issue what it is is an issue for lgbtq teachers in schools they're, they're going to catch hell from people who, where that's already happened in florida where the teacher was pushed out because the parents were complaining because they he was married uh to to a same-sex partner and you know, they told the kids what happened, and all of a sudden parents started complaining about that. So that's what's going to take place. This is the nonsense that comes from this sort of a bill because it's not thought through. It's not. It, it's just really pandering to people over an issue that doesn't exist in the classrooms already. We got about, about six, we, we got about 60 seconds, Angie. Go for it. Uh, sure. 
sure, absolutely. Look, when I was a kid, I didn't even know that my teachers had a life outside the classroom. I have an eight-year-old son in the second grade who was shocked when we ran into his teacher at the Waffle House one morning. So these kids don't need to know who you're married to or what you do in your afterlife, after school life, nor do they care, right? So the idea that a heterosexual, a homosexual, single, married, doesn't matter. Those are not conversations about your personal life. You should be having with eight-year-olds. Go get a friend. Have those conversations with your friend. Don't have them with your eight-year-old. That's This should wow. not be more cut and dry. Yeah, they couldn't have a picture anyway, of themselves and their partner on their desk. Is that, that That's now a step too well, far, I guess. I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to let that be the last word, pictures on the desk or something like that. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. So you got caught speeding. But this time you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm Donald Trump, and I love Alabama. As many of you know, there are few issues facing our nation as important as election integrity and election fraud. This is why the people of the great state of Alabama must work together to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. So get out, register to vote, and get a photo ID so you can make your voice heard and decide the future of our great country. Thank you. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Susan, you and I have looked at a couple of polls over the last few days in the U.S. Senate race, and, and these polls are very similar. They're, they're showing uh, Mike Durant is leading by some 32 to 33. He's in the lead mm -hmm. with 32 to 33 points, depending on which poll you look at. And then Britt, Katie Britt, is 32 31, 32, uh, 33, depending on the poll. Right. But there's about a two-point difference. What we have seen is Mo Brooks has really tanked. He, he's down to 12, 13% mm -hmm. in these polls. The one thing, they're consistent. These are consistent snapshots in time right now. We haven't seen anybody lay a glove on, on Mike Durant. No. But this tells, they spent about $5 million against Katie. So what is this telling you? Uh, telling me that somebody's probably got some information somewhere that they're holding out for Durant. Now, these numbers between Katie and, and, and Mike Durant have basically been the same consistently for a little while now. So, like you said, there's $5 million in negative ads that were, were coming out, I think, Club for Growth and other places against Katie, and she's still maintaining those numbers. While nothing negative has been done about Mike Durant, and he's still maintaining those numbers. So it'd be interesting to see if there are campaigns coming in the, in the near future against Durant. I would think so. I mean, Angie, you, you've run a, a lot of successful campaigns. I mean, these numbers staring down, what, some 50-some days until the primary? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, we did start seeing late in this week 
uh, commercials airing against Mike Durant, talking about who's backing him, the money he's taken from, uh, you know, liberal California donors that are seen posing with uh, Biden. Uh-huh. We see the picture of him with Hillary Clinton's political operative. So um, it's, the hits are starting to make it. I think that the more uh, it comes out about the fact that he's from New Hampshire, the more that it comes out about his absolutely bizarre uh, view of the Second Amendment, I think he's going to be mm-hmm. down there with Mo in the in the teens on the on the poll in about two weeks. I mean, Josh, come on. I mean, the guy, uh, the, the the people that are behind him were behind Hillary Clinton, and they uh, they uh, they want moderate candidates in the uh, U.S. Senate. I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd like a good moderate candidate every now and then. <laughs> Wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. Uh, but you know, it, it's uh, honestly, I don't. Out of all of these things that that y'all are talking about, I, I don't understand why no one is talking about the issue with Mike Durant and his sister and and what happened right. with her. Right. And, and I, listen, I understand his his position here, which is I had nothing to do with that, and no one is claiming that he had anything to do with the molestation at all. Zero claim about that. Okay, let's be clear. Right. But. He had a choice in this of of who to back. You know, he said several times, well, you don't understand what my sister did at that time. And that's the reason why, you know, we started, you know, hanging around his father and talking to me. He'd written books about his father and how great of a man he was and, all, you know, including them in his books about this stuff. And so I don't understand how people have not latched on to, wait a minute, we know what your father did. What could your sister have possibly done that would have been worse than that? Well, the, the biggest well, the thing, thing in that for, so Mike, for me is that he, so he, he reversed his position. <laughs> he reversed his position in that he admitted that, you know, to his sister that, that, that you know, he knew that, that he was made knowledge with. And then he turned around and denied that it happened. That mm-hmm. That is a trigger for me right there. Right. He that did. he said one thing and then he turned his position when it was politically or, or, or business-wise very advantageous to him. He changed his tone. I mean, Angie, this is, well, this is disgusting. Me, it's, his, his latest commercial ends with, we need to protect the innocent. Well, who could have been more innocent than your underage sister who was raped by your pedophile father, yet you didn't protect her, you turned on her. So mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure that this whole idea of protect the innocent should have been a tagline for a Mike Durant ad because his actions show us he does anything but protect the innocent. That's he true. only does whatever is advantageous to him in the moment. Well, and Angie, you brought up something that I, I think starting to get some traction here. Uh, in, in 2011, he was uh, doing a speech before the uh, war college, U.S. Army War College, in which he was talking about how you go in and you take over a country. And he said, well, the first thing you do is you want to disarm the citizens so that you can, you can have law and order. And then he turns around and says, we could probably use that in some American cities to disarm the population Mm -hmm. to restore law and order. That has been picked up by the Second Second Amendment rights folks as to say that Mike Durant is in favor of taking away your guns. Right. So he follows up. this, This story breaks on Breitbart News earlier in the week. Mike Durant follows up uh, with a statement that this is a speech he has given more than 500 times. So he did not misspeak when he said that the United States military should go take weapons from U.S. citizens in major cities in the name of law and order. Now, Mike Durant loves guns. There's no doubt about that. But Mike Durant loves guns for the military. He doesn't want the rest of us to have them. 
And he says in that video that what makes this hard to do is that the Americans will probably riot. You know what else makes this hard to do, Mike Durant? The Constitution of the United States, for which he took an oath when he joined our military to uphold. But apparently, according to this speech he's given 500 times, he only believes that the military should have weapons, not citizens in U.S. cities. That's scary. Uh, when he, it, if he were to become senator, he'll have to take that oath yet again to protect the Constitution when he obviously is in a mindset that he doesn't think it applies. Anyway, that's, uh, uh, listen, this guy's got some serious problems. Josh, we got only about a minute. I want to hit on something real quick. Uh, everybody has been jumping on the bandwagon lately that the 2020 election was either stolen, robbed, or they cheated Donald Trump out of that election. Why in the world are we still litigating the 2020 election? You know, I, I can only assume it's because, you know, your, your base Republican voters that they're, they're searching for here are, are children that need to be told only what they want to hear. Uh, at this point in time, there is zero evidence. And, and trust me, they have looked. There is zero evidence that there was any significant fraud of any kind. As a matter of fact, most of the fraud that we found were from Trump voters. They were voting two or three times in different states. And so this idea that we're still carrying forward, and this is still a talking point, I think kind of speaks to the base of voters that you're after and how misinformed they have been about basic facts. Well, I think that we're going to have to leave it right there. We're, we're going to pick this up a little bit on the other side. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. No, not this. This. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm Donald Trump, and I love Alabama. As many of you know, there are few issues facing our nation as important as election integrity and election fraud. This is why the people of the great state of Alabama must work together to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. So get out, register to vote, and get a photo ID so you can make your voice heard and decide the future of our great country. Thank you. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Uh, Angie, I want to turn to you on this one. Uh, former President Trump has is coming to uh, Alabama on, I think it is, uh, what's the date? June, 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 June? June 18th. 18th. Now, that is right after the uh, primary, the U.S. Senate primary, and right before the runoff, if there is one, he has yet to endorse a candidate, whether it's Katie Britt or Mike Durant. 
Is this not in your mind kind of odd timing or should we not make anything out of it? Well, I learned a long time ago not to try to predict what President Trump's going to do. However, I will say that coming to Alabama right before the runoff certainly indicates that he might have something to say about that runoff um, when it gets here. Um, I think it'll be very interesting for us to see, you know, where that event's going to be, who's going to be there, what's going to happen from that. But there's still a lot of time left between May, between now and May 24th, which will be the primary election to determine if there'll be a runoff, and if so, who will be in it. So, you know, obviously the last time he came to Alabama, um, you know, he endorsed a candidate who got booed, who's now down in the in the teens. And, and so I'm not surprised he's coming back, um, especially since that one didn't go so well. But uh, but it's going to be interesting to see the the particulars, the, the when, the where, the who. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, Susan, we, we understand this from talking to uh, supporters of the president, people mm -hmm. that have put on these kinds of events, that he doesn't show up for an event unless it's $250,000 at least that he's getting for the event. Mm -hmm. Plus, they have to pay for the security mm -hmm. and the venue mm -hmm. and all this. I mean, who in the world is going to pay for this? Do we know? Do we have any idea? Both candidates that, that are probably going to be in the, the runoff have substantial amounts of money in their campaign accounts. So it could be either one of them. There's no way of, I mean, I know that Mo Brooks wouldn't be able to pay for something like that. So, you know, it could be either one of them. Like Andy said, you know, the venue, who's going to be there? Because the venue hasn't been announced yet. That'll have a lot to do with it. And I would think probably the numbers coming out of the primary will have a, a substantial effect on which candidate he endorses. I mean, it, it is going to be in Birmingham, it says. But, mm -hmm. I mean, they but, could change but, it, undetermined Birmingham venue. But that, that could all change. But... Josh, I mean, I just don't think this president does anything without there being something on the back end for him. Hey, man, grifters are going to grift. And this is one of the greatest <laughs> grifters that we have ever seen in our lives. I mean, this, honestly, you kind of got to give it to the guy. I mean, if you're going to try to earn the most amount of money for yourself as in his position, this is... I mean, this is top-notch effort right here. I mean, you show up for this with two candidates who are loaded, and they you need their endor his endorsement in some way there in this race to kind of put you over the top of the other person. Show up right in the middle of this, and they'll pay you whatever. I mean, it's it's kind of genius. I I, I got to say, I mean, I hate to to compliment Trump in that way, but I mean, in, in terms of grifter land, this is a genius move by him to get there. I feel sorry for whoever's going to host this thing because I know they're going to get stiffed uh, like they always do. But you know, that's how it goes when you deal in Trump world. I mean, Angie, but the candidates do need or want his endorsement. I mean, both Katie Britt and Durant have been going out of their way to uh, curry favor with the former president. Does it make that much difference? So I've always said Trump's seal of approval, I think, is worth about 8 to 10 points. What's worth 20 to 25 points is Trump's seal of disapproval. Right, so that's what ah. you saw in the Brooks race. Is his seal of approval doesn't do anything, uh, eight to ten points, however. But what you saw in the last U.S. Senate race is it wasn't the endorsement of Tuberville that put Tuberville over the top. It was the fact right. that Trump went after Jeff Sessions over and over and over. So I think it'll be interesting to see if this is an endorsement that's just a seal of approval, or if it comes with the swinging mad, you know, statements of Trump that came against Jeff Sessions. 
You know, Susan and I, uh, this is an interesting point she brings up, and we, we've talked about this before, but Angie brings up a solid point. We know, we've heard from people that have been close to the president, and he has read Josh's articles mm -hmm. on Mike Durant. Mm -hmm. He has read APR's articles about how Durant defended his father who raped his sister, and that, that the, the former president... He had words about Durant to, in private. Yes, I believe he said he was a nasty man. He he was not impressed with that at all. Uh, in fact, he, he really showed his disgust at the entire thing. So if he came out and endorsed him now, it would be, I, I don't know. He, and he loves Katie for her fundraising abilities. So it's... I don't know exactly how he's going to he's going to go on this. I mean, it, it's kind of I mean, you know, I mean, it, once people understand this stuff about Durant, I just don't think there's a woman in Alabama that would vote for him nope. or no self-respecting man. But we're going to have to leave it right there. I want to move on. Speaker of the House Mac McCutcheon is retiring. This was his last uh, his last legislative session. Uh, you know, Susan, he took over uh, when the Senate, when the House was at its lowest point. Mike Hubbard had been convicted. They elected Mac McCutcheon Speaker of the House. And you remember that evening? I do remember that evening. I remember it very well. I've still got all kinds of photos in my, my camera from it because it was such a moving moment to move from Mike Hubbard, who was such a dictatorial, dictatorial force, to see... Mac McCutcheon stand up and go, okay, now things are going to change. Now this is back to the people's house. Angie, he said specifically, the days of the empirical speaker, speaker are over. Yeah, I remember sitting in the gallery. I remember where I was sitting when he, when Mac McCutcheon went to the mic and said, the days of the imperial speaker are over. And I looked around and you had a mixture of reaction. The people who sort of thrived during the Hubbard administration wanted to, you know, go crawl on a rock. And the rest of us were kind of teary-eyed that this is what we've been waiting for. Now, has Mac been perfect? Absolutely not. But Mac has been able to maintain and increase the supermajority. But I tell you, this week, he invited Miss McCutcheon down to the floor, Deb McCutcheon, and she got a standing ovation from both parties. This has been, um, this has been, Mac and Deb McCutcheon are people that even if you don't agree with them politically, even if you are the most left Democrat in the legislature, they are liked and they are respected. And they're going to be missed. I'm going to miss seeing them around the state house. I'm well, going to miss his stories. He yeah. tells great stories. And I'm going to take a point of personal privilege here. I have been honored to know Mac McCutcheon, a man who is very straightforward, and I consider him a friend, and I hope he feels the same about me. We're going to have to leave it right there. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them. <laughs>